What's up, everybody? This is Ben Martin with the Where Are They Next podcast. I'm here with my guy, Cam Luciano. Cam, say what up. What's up? So Cam has been playing Amity football since his freshman year, and I wanted to dive into him, figure his uh, sporting story, and figure out where he's going next and what his plans are for his future. So let's get it started, Cam. When did you start playing football? I started playing football when I was about six years old. I played flag when I was five in Ansonia, and then I moved over to Amity, and instantly in the first grade, I joined Pop Warner. And why did you pick football over, like, any other sport? You know, I tried soccer. I tried hockey. Um, nothing really stuck with me when I was younger because I was really unathletic. But for whatever reason, I just really enjoyed football. I don't know if it was more my parents just wanted me to play a sport, but that's the sport I stuck with. I feel your unathletic pain there. Um, what other talents do you have outside of the game of football? I mean, there's a lot of things I like to do. Uh, I consider myself more athletic in other sports now. You know, I like to play basketball, you know, play a little baseball, I like to golf, I like to fish a lot. You know, I do a lot of things. Um, I mean, there's a lot. I like to draw, you know, I can play the piano. You can do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I want to say about Cam is oftentimes when people see high school football players, they'll think that they're stupid. That is the opposite of Cam. I'm taking an English class right now, and Cam's taking that for honors credit. So he's really got some other stuff going for him, too, outside of the game. Um, what's your favorite NFL team, and like what players do you model your game after? Um, my favorite NFL team are the Patriots. Uh, I basically just like every Boston team. I was born into a Boston family. Uh, yeah, so every sports team I like is from Boston. My favorite NFL player has to be Aaron Donald. And he's got to be the guy I model my game the most off of. Yeah. You know, him being an undersized D lineman and just being the best D lineman in the game right now is just super inspirational to me. I got to ask you, man, who's winning the whole thing? I want to see the, I want to see Tom Brady and the Bucks win it. You know, I don't know, though. I, I, I guess the safe bet would be the Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes doesn't get back in, you know. Bills can get him. Being the Jets fan that I am, I can't watch Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. And I think Aaron Rodgers is due for one. So I'm going on the record here. Green Bay is winning the whole thing. All right. Having to go through Green Bay is huge. So that's what's going to get them through the NFC, at least, is playing in the cold. Mm -hmm. Biggest influence off the field? Football player off or not? Field? Football player or not? Let's see. It would probably have to be, well, just my mom. Mm -hmm. Because she's just a super – gigantic inspiration for me uh you know I, I take after her in a lot of things uh you know she's always been there for me it's just like whenever like somebody like whenever i'm sure whenever somebody's like asked that question it's probably the most common answer has to be one of their parents oh, and it's yeah. just gotta be my mom mm -hmm. i get that one i get that one favorite moment playing football um i have a lot of really like really crazy moments that I hold pretty close to my heart. Um, the biggest one has to be my last year of Pop Warner. When we beat Ansonia in the semifinals, I had three fumble recoveries. And Jeez. probably, I think I had a sack and a, I don't know how many tackles, but there's a lot of them. Uh, I just, I, I'll never forget just lifting up that trophy and mm -hmm. getting my medal. It was really the first time I felt like I had accomplished something major with my team 
And I think after that, for at least for Pop Warner, Amity got put on the map, which is really just yeah makes me very happy to see that I was part of that team. All right. I, I feel that one too. Um, take me through the college deciding process, man. I know you just committed. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of factors that went into my final decision, but from the beginning, I didn't really know what division I wanted to play. You know, obviously I wanted to play D1 football, but, you know, my options were always open. Uh, I guess as I started looking at colleges and getting a little bit recruited sophomore year, but things started ramping up junior year when I started getting more looks and, like, got a lot of phone calls with coaches. Um, yeah, I was in contact with probably about on total, like at least 15 schools Jeez. with like the majority of them being D twos with a couple mm -hmm. of D ones and a couple of D threes. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I kind of committed early in the process, so I didn't get a lot of offers under my belt, but at the time I had offers from WPI, RPI, I was going to get op offered by assumption. Uh, I had an offer from Valparaiso, which is D one in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Um, and those were my only official offers at the time, but I ended up committing the Bowdoin, which is yeah. a, a NESCAC in Maine. Now, after I visited, I just instantly fell in love. Now, I don't know a lot about Bowdoin. Tell me a little bit about Bowdoin. Yeah. So, uh, Bowdoin is a NESCAC in Maine and the NESCAC is basically a bunch of small Ivy schools, mm -hmm. like all the liberal arts colleges like Amherst and Trinity. Okay. Um, those yeah, we play all those guys. And, uh, yeah, academic-wise, I wouldn't definitely have not gotten in with football. Like, as, as smart as you might say that I am. <laughs> Without football, I wouldn't have gotten in. But, yeah, football gave me the opportunity to be able to attend such a school. Like, I think there's only 2,000 people who go, so it's really selective. Wow. Yeah. And I guess on the football side of things, Bowdoin is – well – with other sports, Bowdoin is really good. Like, I know their women's basketball team has been really good. Their hockey team's really good. I know they scrimmage UMaine and U New Hampshire. Ooh. And they're D3 playing D1 teams. And they, I think they beat them last year in the scrimmage. So, but yeah, those teams are really good. D1? Yeah. That's we have crazy. a really nice hockey rink. It's like NESCACs are weird because they're, they are D3, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of. D1 caliber players of any sport yeah. that go to an NESCAC just for the education. Mm -hmm. And on the football side of things, Bowdoin has been just, just really bad. So the reason I committed there instead of choosing a team that's more successful mm -hmm. is because one, I like the challenge of going to a school and rebuilding the program. And two, they just got a new coach. And this coach has basically, whatever he touches has turned to gold. Like the past three schools he's been to, he's turned like, two and eight programs into state, not state championship, but like division championships. That's just nuts. like, yeah, he, he really turns teams around. And I just like the, I just like the, the mentality that, that, that the new coaches, coach hammer and coach Loney are bringing. So I'm really excited to go. And I really look forward to hopefully turning everything around. Oh yeah. Um, this is an interesting question. Advice to younger football players. Um, the best piece of advice I could give would definitely be to never count yourself out and always keep your goals kind of unreasonably high. Mm -hmm. Because 
it's kind of like the same thing as saying like shoot for the stars because if you fall you're gonna land on the clouds because if you try to work towards an unachievable goal you'll basically find that you'll become the best version of yourself so like i like i said i was very unathletic when i was a kid like out of how many years i would play football 11 years of playing football the first six years i was a bench warmer wow like even though i was a larger kid i was just clumsy and slow mm-hmm. and i didn't really have that drive in me but as i got older and i started like figuring myself out i started setting these goals very high and even though i didn't hit as many of them as i originally intended to i noticed that as close as i got they would start to add up so like if i wanted to get average like three sacks a game which is a crazy goal Mm -hmm. i would find that i would end up being on top of the division or on top of the like like um What's the right word? What is the word I'm thinking of? Oh, I would end up on top of the team and I would find myself in the top like 10 or like the top 10% of all defensive linemen in Connecticut. Wow. So these goals that I set for myself, even if I didn't reach them, I would end up getting pretty close and pretty mm-hmm. close ended up helping me become a more dominant player. Yeah. Um, how long have you been playing varsity football for Amity? Um, I dressed varsity freshman year and I only played a couple of snaps in like garbage time of one of the games, but sophomore year I started. And since then I've been a starter. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, this is another interesting question. Do you envision making the NFL? You know, my trainer really, he sees me be getting close. Um, I guess it's going to really depend on how well I do in college. Hopefully I do really well. Um, obviously that's the plan, but playing in the NFL hasn't really been a primary goal of mine, but Mm -hmm. if I do happen to be that much of a dominant player and I get that much coverage and it seems like the right, like opportunity then I'm definitely going to take it, you know, there's a lot of like factors that go into like deciding if you think you want to play in the NFL, but really just a, such a, just a small percent of people in college players, even D one that make it. So, you know, it's definitely it's the, like the chance is definitely out there. It's just I have to be really good to get the opportunity. Oh yeah. Um, let's go back to your trainer a little bit. I, I see videos on this Instagram account, Pro Limit Athletes. That's the company that you train with, right? Yep. I see those videos of Cam at least two to three times a week putting in work at Pro Pro Limit Athletes. Talk to me about how they've changed your game. Well, um, yeah, Ike is. That's he's the the CEO of Limit Athletes. Mm-hmm. Ike is an ex NFL player, and I've been working with him for about three years now, and he's absolutely changed my game, like like to an extreme degree. Like when I first started working with him, I was super like not really coordinated. I was, you know, like not that fast, not that strong, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that much about playing D line. But over these past three years, he's really helped shape me into an elite college prospect. And I definitely have to owe like a giant amount of my success to him. And yeah, I mean, he's helped me lifting wise. He's helped me with my technique. Like he, he knows what he's talking about. He knows how to make NFL players. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I'm just in debt to him about that. Yeah. That sounds like a great story. Um, Biggest strength in your game. Um, 
It's a good question. I'd say the biggest strength in my game would be, I guess, my explosiveness off the ball mm-hmm. because I have – I've always been stronger, like lower body. Mm-hmm. So – I tend to be able to get a good pop off the line of scrimmage and uh, like I'm good at overpowering the lineman, Mm -hmm. which in turn gives me an opportunity to get in the backfield and get a sack or a tackle for loss. Um, Yeah. So I'd say my, probably my strongest suit would be explosiveness. Yeah. Uh, We're now we're going to get into some more fun questions. Favorite pregame meal. Uh, All right. I guess. This is where you really got to think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I eat a lot of different things on game day. I like to go with vegetables and carbs and definitely like some lean protein. Mm-hmm. But I don't eat that heavily before a game. But what I did eat a lot sophomore and junior year before games was a Mustang Sally from Blue Check. Ooh. So basically, it's like a chicken panini with avocado mm-hmm. and like, like Monterey Jack cheese. It's really good. Shout out to blue check. <laughs> well, you were talking about working with uh, Ike from prominent athletes and you said that you worked for him with him for three years. That would have been starting your sophomore year, right? Or freshman freshman year, like the end of freshman year. So ever since like that first season on uh, playing Amity ball, dressing for a, uh, Amity Ball, you decided to go out and work with him. I find that kind of cool how ever since your first season, you've been starting since sophomore year, and you've been working with Ike ever since the summer of freshman to get to the starter point. I find that kind of cool. Um, pre-game music, what are you playing in the locker room? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I usually like to – I don't play anything that crazy. It's mm-hmm. like whatever hypes me up, really. I have a playlist with a bunch of who's in it. I'd say, yeah, this, I like to listen to Little Uzi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's in there. Uh, some Pop Smoke. Um, you know, depends on the mood I'm in. Because if I'm yeah. trying to get hyped, I like I listen to some like Drake, Lil Wayne, Eminem. But if I'm like trying to like, I don't know. It really depends on the mood I'm in. Because sometimes I like to listen to like. Like Kid Cudi, mm-hmm. um, you know. Sometimes I listen to Coldplay if really? I'm like, if I'm like, like too worked up and I'm trying to calm down. I listen to Coldplay, and yeah, I mean, I listen to like a lot of people. Yeah, I watched this interview a little while ago with uh, GQ. They did it with Jalen Ramsey, and he was talking about his pregame music. And he was like, "I'm always so hyped and worked up. I listen to." Um, like calming music before the game because I'm always so hyped and I need to just calm down before the game. I thought that yeah. was kind of funny. Um, do you have any pregame superstitions? Um, you know, I don't like to talk about the opponent at all. Mm-hmm. Like, if I hear people talking about like, oh, I'm going to do this, or, or they're really good, then I just get really mad mm-hmm. because – Whatever you're worrying about or whatever you're thinking should stay in your head because if you say it out loud, then I think that I believe in karma to an extent. Mm-hmm. So if you put something out there, then chances are it'll come back to bite you. So I don't like people saying anything. Like if you play a bad team, I don't want to hear anybody saying, oh, we're going to destroy them because mm-hmm. chances are we're going to go out there and then they're going to get three consecutive like fumble recoveries for touchdowns and then exactly. we're going to be like left with our tails between our legs, you know? 
So I like my biggest superstition is people saying things out loud. I like mm -hmm. just keeping it in your head and just thinking it because yeah. there's no point in saying it because bad things could happen. Now you're just D-line, right? Or do you play offensive line too? I play offensive line too, but in college I'm only going to be playing defensive end. So Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, here's kind of like my big question that I wanted to know about for a little while. You were – if you know Cam from anywhere, it's probably from the Let Us Play movement that football players started in Connecticut because there was no season granted for them in the fall and no season granted for them entirely. And you were one of the faces of that movement, and I wrote an article on you for the school newspaper about it. I want to know like, what your thoughts are on that now, looking back at it. Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, that was probably one of the most like influential and like shaping few months of my life mm -hmm. like just from organizing it all with a bunch of captains and teammates from across the state that were typically enemies to ending up going on fox news in the morning and talking about it in front of a national audience was really just surreal to me um looking back at it now even though we didn't get the um response we wanted from connecticut you know there's plenty to be mad about, but we did make our voices heard and we did everything we possibly could to mm -hmm. get our get our voices heard and put us in the best position to get what we wanted. Um, although in the end it didn't work, I definitely wouldn't trade it for anything. Just the experiences and the people I met, it was insane and incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's about it. Now, I remember seeing a clip from you at the protests, and you had either a microphone or a megaphone. It was one of the two. And you were saying, we've followed these guidelines for months, and we're not getting this. I remember that being one of the clips that stuck in my mind from that whole protest situation. And I think it's really cool that you and a bunch of football players just spoke up for what you guys wanted. Mm -hmm. Like. That's the that's kind of what we've been seeing in these past few years, whether it's I'm not trying to compare a football protest to Black Lives Matter or anything, but yeah, comparing it to Black Lives Matter, obviously Black Lives Matter is a lot more important, but that's people speaking up for what they want. And we've seen a lot of protests in these past years, year or two. And it caught my eye that a lot of young people were doing that, like young high school kids were going out there and protesting for what they wanted. That's just really cool to me that you would do that with a bunch of your friends yeah i mean the biggest thing was really just how football was singled out mm -hmm. um i'm not like i'm trying to keep any emotion out of this yeah but if you look at it um football was well the handling of football in connecticut was completely mishandled it was honestly just really depressing to see mm -hmm. how the CIAC managed it and how the department of health didn't change anything they said even with the governor saying oh yeah you guys should you guys should play in the spring um i know there's a lot of people like we got a lot of backlash when it, everything was happening and there's a lot of people who probably think that you know um against wearing masks coronavirus doesn't exist but if you look at other sports that were played that have even more contact than a sport that you wear pads you're outside mm -hmm. and we were all there's uh, some, one thing that was proposed was face masks that go into your mask Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that could have been done. Like you could have spread out on the sidelines. It's like, we have a lot of space to work with. And 
there's a lot of mitigation strategies that would have 100% been effective mm-hmm. that just got thrown out the window because it was football. If you look at soccer or even uh, men's basketball, that's about to go down soon. I think it's about, I think they're starting now. Yeah. They're inside of a closed gym with no protective, anything covering. I mean, they're wearing masks, but they're still sweating. Yeah. So, these are dozens of kids who are sweating inside of a closed space, rubbing up on each other, you know, ding up on each other, mm-hmm. you know, just sweating everywhere. Like, honestly, if you, I'm not trying to be selfish by saying this, but basketball is definitely more of a risk than football would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward, we were able to play with an independent league and we didn't have any confirmed cases from football. We did have a couple of cases from people with like their family and stuff. Yeah. But no thread that we know of happened playing the game of football. Whereas if you look at the CIC released a statement with all the total cases from each sport, if you mm-hmm. look at all the other sports, including uh, the, the, the like two hand touch football they played where mm-hmm. they weren't wearing pads either. It was all pretty high. So I think if we just ended up playing normal football, like with pads and everything, we would have had a lot of success. But the timing and once the CIC figured out that, you know, maybe it's not as high risk as it, they thought it was originally, it was mm-hmm. kind of too late at that point. So the timing was yeah. really unfortunate. And I guess just, it just, that's just what happens when you live in a state with the kind of government that we have. But, you know, Things it happen. is what it is. Yeah. So how did that independent league end up going? It actually went really well. Um, They released a statement at the end after the season was paused about just like from reports from coaches and schools, if there had been any Mm -hmm. cases from like one player to another. And I think the total was only like, I think there's like eight cases that have been confirmed spread from one, one player to another, whether it be in practice, but they think it was in cars without wearing masks. We had a situation where one of our players got the virus and spread mm-hmm. it to two other kids on the team, but oh. that spread occurred in the car, like when they were hanging out, not on the football field. Okay. So that's, I guess that's just how it went. Uh, we played, we ended up playing three or four games and okay. they went really well. Um, yeah. Just from across, from a bunch of teams across the state. And actually within the next month or so, the independent league should be picking back up again. Oh, with, really? I think, yeah, I think they added about six new teams. So depending on how that goes, we might be playing a couple more games. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were going to participate in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm also doing uh, outdoor track. So as long as it mm-hmm. doesn't interfere with that, then I definitely will be doing that. How does outdoor track go for you? Just curious. Um, I don't know yet. I mean, indoor is starting – First practice is next week, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know how practices are going to go. Hopefully, by the spring, when outdoor starts, we'll be in a lot better of a situation than we are now. So I guess it's just really just a waiting game. Yeah, exactly. And then how would you say track has affected your game on the football field? Um, You know, in the past, it has definitely kept me in shape in the offseason just because we, we lift and we condition a lot in track. But – this year, I'm kind of shifting my goals to more focus on actually being good at throwing and uh, sprinting. Yeah. So, yeah, I do 
disc and shot put. And I'm mm -hmm. also planning on doing the four by one. Wow. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. So hopefully with indoor, I'll be able to start working on my technique and stuff. Mm -hmm. And without with outdoor in the spring, I should be in really good shape to do really well. Yeah. Well, that's all I had. Um, thank you, Cam, for uh, giving me your time. No problem. Hope we get more of these. Um, if you have any suggestions for more athletes, let me know. Cam, do you have any more suggestions? Uh, I know. Uh, I know Tyler McLean would definitely be interested in having a having an interview with you. Yeah, so. I've been working on that one. And yeah. uh, I do want to say one thing. You said Ike was a professional football player. What position did he play? He played uh, defensive end and defensive line. So my position. And what's but his he, last he name? Uh, Igby Nosen. Oh. It's like, yeah, it's pretty hard to pronounce. Because I'm going to tell a funny story on here. A future guest, maybe, Sebastian Holt, one of my good friends from Amity Baseball. He plays first base for us. And in the in the season, sophomore year, Coach Roddick, one of our assistant coaches, would always call him Ike because there was an NFL player named Ike Holt. And I had no idea what position he played when, when I heard you say Ike, I just had to guess about it. Okay. So thanks Cam for the time. Uh, I'm going to cut it here. Hopefully we get more right. of these and more guests. No problem. Thank you for having me.